1: All right. Welcome to Money Never Sleeps. This is a show where we talk about anything and everything that impacts the flow of money from around the corner to around the world. And I want to thank you for joining us and viewing and listening to the show. As you see, you know, our, our show is, is global. And, and in that tradition, what we're doing, we're trying to bring on guests that can give us a great feel of what's happening in different parts of the world. Today's no different. We're bringing on a special guest. His name is Sean Burrows. He's the co-founder and COO of Ingressive for Good. I'm going to bring him on. Sean, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, Luis, how are you? It's a pleasure to be here, man. I've been following you guys. I I love the perspective. Uh, I love the information you're covering. So again, it's an honor and it's a Pleasure to be here.
1: Excellent. Thank you so much. And th- thank you for the compliments. You know, it's interesting. And, and, and the way the world is going right now uh, with you know markets going up and down and changing governments and, and policies and things of that nature, um, Africa to me has always been an interesting continent, not, I mean, not country, but continent because mm. of the separation between countries. And it, it just amazes me because I always said that if Africa ever got it together and came together, it would be the most powerful nation on the planet. Okay. So, you know, tell, tell us about what you're doing over there. Tell us about you. So I want to know more about you and then we'll go into your company and then we're going to go into what's going on in Africa.
2: Awesome. Awesome so uh, if we're gonna get started let me uh start with a little bit about me so yep. basically uh again um, my background typically uh, is i'm from the u.s uh, my family's from mississippi uh we're, we're from the bush or the country so to speak so um <laughs> yeah i'm, I'm a, a lot of us don't make it out so yeah. um yeah i'm a preacher's kid i'm a military brat both of my parents uh did 20 plus years in the u.s navy um, so it's really interesting that I was raised in such a system that was all about structure and all about, uh, things being done a certain way at a certain time. And then you move into an environment where things are a little bit more chaotic. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, for, for me, it, it came, uh, I shifted from the food and beverage industry. Uh, this is about the early to mid 2000s I shifted into telecom that was like my first taste of technology first mm-hmm. taste of a uh, you know mobile cell phones and different things where where we were shifting into the smartphones uh at the at the base level at that point so it was an exciting time um and I was working with Cricket Wireless I'm pretty sure everybody knows about Cricket Wireless if you've ever uh decided to grace the hood anywhere near you the, the, the um, green guy the green guy oh yeah oh yeah 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 <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, I had worked my way up with the company and basically, um, I was on the operations teams, uh, in Chicago. And basically at this time, uh, cricket wireless, I mean, uh, AT&T was coming in to purchase the company. Um, I was a part of the transition team. And at the point where things were wrapping up, they were like, do you want to, uh, take a 30% pay cut and be a nobody in a huge company? Or do you want to take this nice severance package? And I said, I'm going to take the severance package. Mm-hmm. Um, and I took that. And um, within about three months, I had actually given away almost everything I couldn't pack into three suitcases. And I was on my way to Ghana. And that was about 2014. Um, and what, 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 here, what
1: brought you to, to, to Ghana? Because I'm sure your, your first stop was Accra. And then you went from there.
2: Of course, of course, I had a good university, uh, friend from university. So I only knew one person. So I, I didn't know a lot about the country. Uh, I didn't have any family members or some extensive friend group or network there. You I just, just, knew you just one got country. up
1: and went there. You had yeah. one friend that you, you needed a change. You thought that that was the place to go. <sighs>
2: well it was again i had my whole entire life i was i was told to uh follow a certain strict policy and i had followed it to the t my whole life but i had come into certain situations certain obstacles that that let me know that if i truly if i truly wanted to reach a certain level if i truly wanted to kind of change my stars so to speak i had to start drawing outside of the lines and i don't mean that in a legal sense just in a how i approach my dreams right um so uh, if we're gonna, if we're gonna go back a bit, um, in two thousand seven, I moved from good old Mississippi to Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, upon getting off the uh, airplane and going up the escalator, um, I saw a woman that was probably uh, jet black with blue eyes, speaking French, and she was about six feet tall. I had never seen anything like that in my life. Um, Typically, if you're in Mississippi, everybody is from there, born and raised there. And again, many of them don't leave. So this cultural diversity, even within the black perspective, was something that I just was not exposed to. I did a great deal. Um, So, yeah, so I saw something like this. And when I, you know, being in Washington, D.C., they call it Chocolate City. So, you know, there's a lot of African-Americans there, but there's also a lot of uh, African, just African-Africans, first generation, second generation uh, people there, especially if you're looking at the Nigerian community, the Ethiopian community. Mm -hmm. Um, And those two uh, communities in particular were the ones that kind of welcomed me in. Um, Actually, it was my engagement with the Ethiopian community in Washington, D.C., which kind of uh, really pushed off my career. Um, I was in an area on 14th and New Street for anybody who's in the DC area. Um, and I was basically inside little Ethiopia. Um, and what I managed to do was kind of working with some elders in the community. I, under, I had to understand, like, how to approach the community from a political standard because there were different rifts and different things within the community. Um, and I had to understand how to engage them at the personal level. Um, mm-hmm. So we were doing things like traditional tea ceremonies. Um, I started hiring um, hard, uh, speaking representatives at the sales counter um, and in different things. And just like within basically a two to three month period, you saw a 33 percent jump in sales across the whole market. Um, uh, basically we had, um, yeah, we had, we had changed the way that that market saw us. And most of them were all using Metro PCS cause somebody told them as soon as you get off the plane or as soon as you get off, however, you got there, uh, use it. Yeah. Metro and here's the phone. Here's the phone. Um, so yeah, we kind of shifted that narrative and again, that, that, that is what created the thirst that's what let me understand that when you deal with, especially communities like the Ethiopian community, where there's a sense of unity and everybody kind of is connected and staying together, that the, 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 the inherent power uh, with business is just so much there that, um, again, I was, I was a lot less fearful. Um, there, were, there, were, there were a lot of stereotypes, um, you know, and growing up, um, let me give you another quick story. This is gonna sound funny. So um, I was in DC for about two weeks and they told me an Ethiopian woman really had, uh, was interested in me and she, was, she wanted to get my number. And my response was like Ew, you're, no, getting, okay. you're, getting,
1: you're getting picked up on the move
2: look at that <laughs> yeah it was it was a, it was an amazing time but let me tell you what ignorance does i the only thing i knew about uh the ethiopians were the sally struthers commercials from back in the day of do you oh. want to feed a starving african child for 30 cents a day so right. w- this is hard. This is real. This is how sometimes if you don't uh, step outside of yourself or step outside of what people feed you, you'll just never know. Right. But again, uh, yeah, I saw this commercial and I was like, no, like I don't want to see the grown-up version of this, um, right. and I'm not interested. Only to find out that this is one of the, the like the most beautiful people in the world, the most beautiful women you could possibly ever see in your life, and I, I just I knew at that point that I needed to find things out for myself. So. That's where that it, 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 it
1: opened your your eyes and knocked definitely. out your blinders on, on life itself.
2: Definitely, definitely, yeah. definitely.
1: Yeah, and yeah. That, That's important. So, so you so did you go out on a date? That's uh, that's that's a big thing.
2: <laughs> oh, I she I embarrassed myself. So no, and her friends also didn't want to talk to me because nope. I, I it was just a very ignorant response.
1: Right, <laughs> right. But, that, but look, you know, you know, the thing is in business, being well rounded. And and being, uh, understanding how different cultures are helps you with mm-hmm. what you're doing. So that exactly. incident helped you to change your perspective and say, hey, I'm missing something in, in my in my world that's going to help me take my business from here or any business from here to here. So that opens your eyes to everything.
2: It opens my eyes to a lot of things. Um, if, I, if I'm going to compare where I was to where I am now, Um, just imagine I spent about 30 years of my life being told that, that this place is a savage jungle. There's no opportunity. There's no nothing there. And then, you know, fast forward, uh, the rest of my life where I'm here. And I find out that almost every major multinational company has a base here. So it's kind of like, well, this is good enough for the, to be the base and the root of supply chains that lead all over the world. Why is it not good enough for me and my business interests?
1: And then that's the big thing. A lot of people don't understand about Africa, you know, you know, you, 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 like you've been there, so you see a lot of the things that happen. It, it's a certain, it's, it's a certain way you do business, okay. And and I say this, you know, they even said it in in a movie some time ago, you know, TIA period. The end. This is Africa. This is how things are, are done. And if you don't adhere to that, you are not going to get anything done. You know, if they, you, know, you, you, you have, yeah, you, you get shut down from from, from, from area to area. That's it. You know, I don't care if it's Sierra Leone, Liberia, Burkina Faso, Benin, Togo, wherever you are, you know, that your reputation, it travels pretty quickly. And and it's funny is that these countries are so different. You go French, English, this, that is so different. It's so diverse. And and you have to be a jack of all, not, not a jack of all trades, but more you have to have different um Different weaponry in your holster as you as you deal with country to country in order to bring it all together, you know. Because the, the one thing that that I've seen when I was over there and I and I spent a lot of time there, okay, is the issue with with uh, and I'm going to say it: this this corruption, okay, big corruption, yeah. and, and no, and, and certain countries that there is, and then you know yeah. you have you have other like in, in Ghana. That's that's where, that's where you you began. You know, it's mm-hmm. more it, it's it's more uh, I'm going to say it's more in the path of being if they do it the right way, the, the New York City of, of Africa. OK, yes. where, and that, that's the goal with technology and everything else. But other countries, their, their exports are, are commodities, you know, whether it be cashews or, or cocoa and things of that nature, timber. OK, and then you have other countries, their, their, their exports are something else. So it, it's, it's fruitful. It's fruitful mm-hmm. over there. And, and one other thing, you know, and I'll let you chime in, one other thing that I've seen is that in Africa, a lot of people don't know this, what you have for a long time, and it shocked me when I was in the bush, for a long okay. time you have China coming here, Chinese companies coming to Africa, every country, and sucking up all the resources for nothing. For nothing, yeah. and, and they're making yeah. a lot of money doing it. So now, with, with me bringing all this up to the table, chime in, give me your give me your input. Let me know what you think about all
2: this. So let's just jump right in. So some of my views are just my views. Some of them um, feel a little bit spicy, but I'm hoping that we can uh, we can keep it a, a bit real. Yeah, um, well, we have to so keep the-
1: it real because you know, look, our money never sleeps. Even though we're we're showcasing companies and 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 industries and stuff like that right now we're focused on what's going on in Africa so your company mm-hmm. is one thing the, the I believe that the the, the the conversation of Africa is a bigger is a bigger conversation so make Africa. keeping it real is important for the listeners and viewers so they understand what's happening over there
2: gotcha gotcha so awesome so just imagine that there's a there's a perspective that's my business um, which is aggressive for good, um, aggressive capital, which is a $10 million, uh, venture capital fund focused on, tradi- uh, investing 200 to $400,000 in traditional African business sectors. Uh-huh. Um, there's that element of it. And then on the other side, we have, uh, my personal operations consultation, which is more so a representation of everything that I've learned since I've been here. Uh-huh. So now from that perspective, um, I like to jump into the, 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 the corruption part. So my issue with the African continent and how most people approach it in general is, number one, they approach it from a terms that everything is cheaper. Everything is this. Everything is is, is this and the third. And it is in, in in theory. So what you have is a situation, number one, where people come in almost paying people below a living wage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it happens across the board to the point of view where if you put people in a certain situation, you're going to understand that there's a certain outcome that's going to happen. Right. Um, so there's that one. I find that with all of the businesses that I have, when I pay them con- competitively and I put certain infrastructure in place, I don't have a problem. Now, when you start going up, so the you, you, level, you, you
1: you you embrace the the Henry Ford idealism of you pay a decent wage to a worker, maybe pay them a little more for them to do the exactly. work so they can live well.
2: Exactly. Or yeah. give them something to aspire to. Mm-hmm. Um, there's different So again, in my personal business, maybe it'll be a little bit more flexible with different ways of setting up payment structures, business models, and different things like that. Um, When you get up to higher levels, is there corruption? Yes, there is to the highest levels. Um, But what I feel is that if I'm looking at certain levels of corruption, I see the same activities in Nigeria as I see in the US, especially if we're looking at the president of a Donald Trump. Um, The difference I tell Nigerians every single day is the difference between Nigeria and America is that Nigerians steal from Nigerians, America steals from everybody. So now when you have the opportunity where you're able to collect, uh, sources of revenue, and different things from a a lot of different countries through that leverage, through that influence, um, then again, if you're scraping things off the top, then it's, it doesn't have such a, a heavy, a heavy feel now, again, now is there problems in the country? Yes. Um, and one of the major problems is that the infrastructure does not exist. Uh um but you mentioned some very important names before the henry fords um if you want to get into the rockefellers the carnegies and those um they were to the point where they were almost more powerful than uh the government corrupt or not corrupt depending on however you want to look at it Uh because they had something that the entire country depended on um Uh if you're talking about the railroads and the different shipping systems that whole infrastructure basically the us and everybody else depended on them so they had the power to do what they want Um, in countries like Nigeria, which has the largest, one of the, the, basically the largest populated country in Africa, um, you have a city like Lagos where there's 20 million people here. One of the biggest cities in the world. You have an opportunity where if you're able to come here and you have the strength, the intelligence and the capital to build infrastructure and different things like that, you have the opportunity to be a Rockefeller or a Carnegie or any of those different things in this country. Um,
1: That's the thing, the opportunity is there. And that's what, and I'm glad you said that because I've seen it. It all has to do with your desire to to get it done. But a big thing in any country in Africa that, and, and I, from my experience is who you know. Is who mm-hmm. you know and exactly. how you're connected. Because if you're not connected with the right people, you're not going to get the right introductions. And make no mistake, you have you know, like in Ghana, the new government came in, the younger government. They're seeing the future. When you have mm-hmm. the old government in certain countries, this is when you have upheaval and all this nonsense. That's why what's happening in Ethiopia is happening. This is why all these things transpire. And, you know, whether it be you know, and in, in, in Somalia or in different countries. Things happen because of the the closed-mindedness of the government officials, where if you get govern, the government in there that's working for the people, it's a win-win. It's mm-hmm. a win-win. You know, but exactly. they, from, from my experience, they, they're always open to hearing ideas and hearing things. They want well, growth.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is that they're open um, and everybody wants their piece of the pie, so to speak. So that's where the feeling of corruption comes in at. But I guess the way I look at it and the way I build my business models where if corruption is is from top to bottom, so to speak, it's no longer corruption, it's more like a system. And once you understand how the system works, you understand how to navigate it. And again, what I like about the corruption or the system that I encounter sometimes here Is that basically, again, once you just, once you build it in, it kind of, you just have this kind of flexibility, but it's also available to me. Mm -hmm. Um, There are levels of corruption and different things in the U.S. where it's not in my tax bracket. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there are some cases there where it doesn't matter what my tax bracket is. I'm just not welcome to the party. Um, where here money talks, money walks. Um, if you can get your foot in the door, you can have whatever conversation you want.
1: And, and it doesn't um, matter your, your color, creed, religion, nothing. It comes down to what you can bring to the table and see when you're talking about it, yeah, when it comes out to that, because if you look at it, it, yeah, you mentioned it's a system. So now if you have things going on from the top to the bottom, everybody understands it's something that works. Same thing. If you have something from the top to the bottom and you're paying taxes along the way, Somebody has somebody's hand in somebody's pocket uh, throughout
2: either way. You're paying right. somebody
1: somewhere along the line to get something done. That's what it comes down to.
2: Exactly. That's that. And that's exactly how I look at it. I look at, I even tell people when I'm consulting for them, don't forget, you have to pay your taxes at certain levels. And again, once you understand who it is and you've built and you, you touched on it already relationships, relationships, relationships. Mm-hmm. So yep. once you, uh, you, you touch in the right places, um, you have the right relationships and you've proven that you have the capacity to make money, then basically the, the, the continent is your oyster. Yeah. Um, again, uh, if you're looking at aggressive capital, one of our early investments, uh, that we invested in, I think it was 2016 or 2017, uh, paystack. They just got acquired by Stripe for $200 million. Now, that's one of that's on the way to being another uh, African unicorn. Now, just the publicity, just the attention, just the understanding that, oh, they can bring in this type of money. Now I can go talk to any minister, uh, you know, or emailing bank CEOs and different things today where if I was in America, that's not it's just for me, it's just not possible. No, we're here within three years. I can talk to anybody, anybody. I've 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 been very very close. I've I've been I've been in the same room and at different events and different things with presidents. Uh, the 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 Central Bank of Nigeria. We have these some of these people in our contact list. And again, um, once you have that and once you understand how the how the uh, system works, then it, it's again there's just a lot of opportunity. Which again now we're, yeah go ahead.
1: No, I was going to say because you know people don't realize that over in, in whether it be Nigeria, Ghana, along the line. Uh, The government the officials from from the high up to the to the mid end to the low end Everybody wants to do business. They want Mm -hmm. to do business They will talk to you because there's an opportunity Mm -hmm. and especially if they know that at some point in time You're from America. They want to talk to you because then it opens up different possibilities You know, Mm -hmm. um, and it all it all comes down to how you approach it and who you're dealing with
2: Exactly, especially for um, minorities Again, being in a, mi- a minority in the US and being a minority, well, I guess I'm no longer a minority here, um, mm-hmm. but it t- until I start speaking, actually. Right. Um, but it's, it's just the assumptions are completely different mm-hmm. here than they are in the, in, the, in the US. There's an assumption that I'm closer to the, the, the base of power, so to speak. I'm closer to resources, access, funding, and different things like that. Right. And over time, it, it was their belief in these certain things and their uh, assumptions that allowed me to actually build these contacts. It, it's like, you assume I know high level politicians in the US, so you're gonna give me your high level uh, politician contacts here in the US and in other countries. And again, mm-hmm. you're just able to kind of put things together over time. Mm-hmm.
1: And that's what you've done, which is, you know, kudos to you, because you understood from the time you got there, you learned really quickly how the machine works. And a lot of people don't learn it. You know, and I mentioned earlier about, you know, uh, like Africa has some of the greatest resources on the planet. And this is why, this is why you have China coming in. They've been doing it for decades, coming in little by little, scraping out the resources for their country, mm-hmm. for pennies on the dollar. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, how, how can companies over there do something to, to capitalize on that, to have it less China coming to do it? and more of African companies to do it. Cause it's not just China. You have, you know, British companies, European companies that are there where they have mm-hmm. their oil rigs, they have their stuff on the, on the, on the coast. They have all the stuff going on, paying the workers pennies, Penny yes. where, where if they, they go across the ocean that those same pennies are now like a hundred times that. Okay. Exactly. You know, and I, I mean, how do you, how do you offer someone a better life if you're an american or european company you're going there you're saying we are the greatest but we're going to give you a dollar a day it doesn't make sense to me
2: it does not but it i i can't help feeling like it's almost by design um and being it's it, it's it's securing your supply chain securing mm-hmm. your your value chain if you know that you're getting all of uh certain resources like if you look at what an iphone takes to build if you look at what your are common laptops and different things takes Mm -hmm. to build all these precious stones, gems, um, metals and different things like that. They're all sourced within the African continent. They have all these back end um, back deals and whatnot that people have. And the thing that I say to people who are looking at what these multinational companies, again, I can tell you've been here um, is that they're willing to do business. Um, if, If just be just, you can, you can come to Nigeria right now um and pay ten thousand dollars and have somebody do a exploration on a gold mine um and if they find gold then technically you can own a gold mine mm-hmm. um like it's, it's just that simple and it, it just it just when you look at it from the foreign perspective when you look at all the different layers of things that have been added on to it and all the processes and steps you go to go through. It's on purpose, but it's to make it a little bit more difficult. Because again, um, the world has changed. It's, it's not so it's not so random now to see a video of somebody from Africa hanging out in the club. It's not so difficult to see um, different places. And eventually people are going to start getting the idea that if you're getting everything from there, then I can just go there too. So right. there are different layers that are, that are separating people. And I'm no, but to it's, but that it's not that
1: easy. That's the thing. When somebody sees it, they're like, oh, they're doing this. I can go do it too. You just can't pop up and start doing stuff. You got to know someone in order to, yeah. to open up those doors. And that, that's the reality. And I just want yes, yes, to yes, backtrack yes. on something. When I talk about the companies paying, mm-hmm. that, that paying those wages, it's not that these companies are coming in saying, okay, we just want to pay you this. They're going by what it, the standard is over there. Okay, they're they're going by those yeah. salary standards to a point. They're not going above it. Where if they went above it, they would go and have, and that would be impact investing, I believe, where you're impacting right. that city and you're 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 creating an environment where it can be more. Uh, I guess more cosmopolitan, more thriving, Mm -hmm. where you have someone Mm -hmm. that can actually, instead of having 10 people in a a house, maybe they can have their own place and they can Mm -hmm. do things and you give them a better quality of life. You create a better worker, a better citizen of the country. And I think that's where things are gonna start getting to because you have the younger people that are taking hold of power. I don't know what's happening in Nigeria now, but I know in Ghana that has happened. And it's going to happen mm-hmm. systematically throughout certain countries. But again, you know, like in Cote d'Ivoire, you, you have situations, they have uh, cashews and everything going out, but they, they're so set in what they do that it's hard to get in there and and fix their system to, to make it work better for the country because they, I guess they're okay with it, but it seems like a broken system to me. Um,
2: well, yeah. A lot of times you deal with the representatives or the people who are trying to squeeze the the most out of it and, you know, paying people the lowest amount that they can. Um, again, a, a large part of that is again, you don't have people on the ground. You don't have the collect the correct relationships and different things like that to mm-hmm. understand what is what. So again, if somebody comes and gives you a ridiculously low price for something that, you know, you can sell uh, abroad, at a high rate, uh, at a high margin, yeah, you're gonna do it. Um, a lot of people aren't willing to kick the wheels and see and check out the engine of the car. Um, yeah. We do need to start doing that. Um, we're seeing all over the world with all of these different um, protests, revolutions and different things that are popping up is that technology is 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 kind of uncovering and demystifying certain things. Yep. And people are aware at a global level that, that they are suffering, it's not just some somebody's picking on me individually, or I just had bad luck. No, there's a system that is kind of leveraging or taking advantage of uh, certain people. Um, So, you know, there's, there's, there's an understanding of that.
1: And I think you're right on the money with that technology is going to change everything, you know, Mm because in Africa, you know, you have more mobile phones per square mile than anywhere in the world. This is how people connect. The only, the only, the only comparison to that would be China. But at the end of the day, more. This is how people connect. This is how they, they they live their lives. They're banking mm-hmm. mobile. They they have you know the neo banks. They have this. They're utilizing digital assets and they they're doing this stuff. And and it's funny. You wouldn't think that if you if you did not know what's going on in Africa, you wouldn't know this stuff. But exactly. I think I think that what's happening. And I think it, again, I think it start, it started in Ghana. Okay. And it's going to go and trickle down to the other countries because you're going to have the new blood coming in saying, wait a second, I'm, I'm here. I got my connections in the U S and Europe. Let's go make this work. Let's create technology here. Let's do something to better things here. And once that happens, it's, 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 it's game on, in my opinion, mm-hmm. and that the world well, is going to be in shock. Like, Wow, because you have yeah. you have some highly intelligent people there that just don't have the opportunity to do the things they need to do, but they're hustlers. They hustle exactly. and they work hard, and they will hustle yeah. and think about different angles. and And I say it cracks me up, but but when they do that, I, I, I begin to see the. Um, the mindset and what can happen and and the mm-hmm. possibilities. And I, I look forward to the day when that transpires that some of these African nations rise up and they start becoming powerhouses, global powerhouses and the resources are there. They just need to go in and, and get it done. That's all.
2: Yeah, we need to we need to hit the uh, restart button. I think right now what's going on not only in Africa, but in several hot pockets is almost like what you saw. Um, uh, maybe about a decade ago with the Arab Spring and different things like that happening. So as it stands right now, there's about six different uh, countries with like national level protests. Um, right here in Lagos on October 21st, there was what you call the Lekki Tollgate massacre, uh-huh. where um, you had uh, thousands of, of, of Nigerian youth that were basically protesting um, a, a basically police brutality. Um, there's a faction of the 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 national police, basically, that were taking advantage of so many people doing so many cruel cool acts. And mm-hmm. then they were supported by a bad governor. Um, so, you know, uh, it, Lagos is 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 basically the, the prima donna of the entire country. It's the most popular city. Again, the mm-hmm. most money comes in here. It's a port city. So um, at the Leckie toll gate, Lecky is basically if you're looking at Lagos like New York, uh, that's Manhattan. So basically the wealthiest, most well to do middle class celebrity, different things like that, were protesting at the Lucky toll gate. and basically the army rolled up trucks and just opened fire uh, and and shot dozens of people. Um, that was four streets from where I live. Um, I could actually hear the shooting when it happened. Mm-hmm. So there is a there's a there's a riot, there's an uprising taking place. The youth, again, it's driven by technology, which is why, you will see that even, even with the the, the protest and the massacre that happened here, the government and different people were able to take advantage of the people who were offline and give mm-hmm. them small amounts of money to go and disrupt protests and different things like that. Um, because there was no unity, there was no connection between the two, so they're easily led. But the people you can't shake are the people who are watching what's going on around the world. And uh, you mentioned through their mobile phones, mm-hmm. again, um, if you look at how much people make versus how much they make in the U S you have to look at this factor. If you make right somewhere around $30,000 per year, you're in the top 1% of the world. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So again, people here are far from that 1%. So if you look at the cost of a computer, if you look at the cost of data, if you look at the cost of power and the shaky power grid and different things like that, it doesn't tell a great story, but those three things in particular, are what people are using to create multi-million dollar companies every single day. This is what people are using. You were talking about online banks. So we have uh, we have the likes of a CUDA, CUDA bank or a rubies, um, that are online banks that are popping up in the last two or three months. Again, I told you one of our, uh, old portfolio companies was just acquired for $200 million. Um, even before that we had a lot of amazing companies doing great stuff. And a lot of this, again, they have to be somehow connected to tech for us to invest in them. But it's because that those are actually the companies that are that are that are doing well. Um, and, and, and,
1: and that's a, that's a big thing with the with the neo banks, because mm-hmm. you have Square and Jack Dorsey. Mm-hmm. He's trying to and his thing, and now he became the long beard, the nose ring, and he wanted to go to live in Africa to go and do all this stuff and, right. and make all this stuff happen. Okay, and and the reality is is that you know you know if you have if you have the ability to connect people and and you you know how they operate and what the what the power that's there They just don't have the resources to make it happen. So having a square over there and and having them connect on on a major level is big. You know, Facebook was trying to do the same thing. Zuckerberg was trying to do the same thing and just have connectivity throughout there so they can just control everyone that's being connected and advertise to them and do all this stuff. You know, they know that it's there. But Mm -hmm. the question is that who's gonna step up to make it happen? Is it gonna does it have to be uh, uh, companies that are outside of Africa or is someone in Africa going to step up or you going to have a number of companies stepping up to do stuff there and build up the country because that's impact investing, you know, especially in technology, mm-hmm. you know, um, but I, I know the interest from the U.S. and Europe is there. For things in Africa, but it all, mm-hmm. you know, I think in, in the world of technology, because now you're going into the fourth industrial revolution over there. So how mm-hmm. is Africa going to put a, put a chokehold on it to make it work and then generate what needs to be generated country by country? And, and I think that's probably one of the biggest questions because that, that the next industrial revolution, that fourth industrial revolution involves heavy technology.
2: Mm-hmm. It, it definitely does. Um, and if Africa doesn't step their game up, they will not be participating in the fourth industrial revolution, sure. um, your educational systems and different things that that you have set up here. They definitely need work. Um, again, if you look at what was going on as early as 2012, 2015, probably even before that, the UK started training uh, in school as young as five years old mm-hmm. um, how to code. Um, The Middle East, they were having programs where they were saying basically for the more affluent ones, of course. But yeah, that that basically like like knowing how to code is going to be a language or something that you learn just like math, science and different things like that is going to be an inherent skill that you have to know to even understand this new world that's about to unfold Mm -hmm. before our very eyes. Yeah. Um, So, again, um, you have these tech companies that are playing support roles, but they're also trying to dominate the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at Google, for instance, if you look at, um, they've basically bought up the existing capacity to build any more underwater uh, uh, lines to to transport internet. Um, anybody who can do it, they've already paid them and bought them out at a price that nobody else can uh, afford. Mm-hmm. They're going to basically own that landscape. They're going to own that internet infrastructure. Um, again, whoever
1: controls the internet and, and the the uh, the 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 satellites there. They basically control the country. You exactly. shut off the internet, you shut off the country. That's the reality. Exactly. That's control. Facebook.
2: Facebook, Facebook is also giving us a really amazing example. Uh, Facebook is telling us how to build a country out of thin air. Um, so if you look at Facebook, basically what they set up was an infrastructure to communicate. Mm -hmm. Then they put an infrastructure for marketing and ads and different things to actually have commerce and business. And then the last thing, uh, we were actually the ones we called it the black ops tour. I probably shouldn't talk about it, but I'll talk about it now, but their uh, their market research team that was basically going, trying to, uh, have all of these different meetings with, with key stakeholders to understand how to launch the Libra before it got blocked, uh, back in the U S. Um, we were the ones that took them through there. We, we couldn't even allow Facebook to talk to their, uh, counterparts that were there before the meeting. So they couldn't talk to the local uh, Facebook members. And basically we had to set up like 25 meetings in four days. Um, but basically there's these countries are, I mean, these companies are basically trying to set their hooks into the country. Um, and for very good reason, this is the youngest population in the world. A lot of countries, most countries are getting older. So this youth population that's growing up now, um, they're gonna basically impact them at the ground level. Like the right. first internet, whatever they're gonna know about is gonna be Google this. The first word processing, whatever, is gonna be Microsoft that. Right. Like these are gonna be like household names. Like like we use Band-Aid and different things like that. Right. That's what they're setting themselves up to be in the tech space and in the African continent.
1: But that um, can change. Our- but that can change.
2: Exactly, exactly. That, that that's what we It has to change. It's a, it's a tough battle just because how much money is behind it. But again, what we're looking at doing is basically driving money, capital resources, whether it be from the venture capital side or from the, like the support side, the, the, uh, capacity building side to allow these uh, local companies, these local intelligence to basically come and create things. One thing you need to know about the African continent is they skip over technology. So I know if you want to look at how we were using messaging apps before we got to Facebook, there was aim, there was. There was like black planet. There was MySpace. There were all these different things where we went from step to step to step. Uh, the African continent is kind of seeing what we're doing and skipping on. What's the newest thing? If you're looking at a cash app, um, we we've been using cash app or whatever for about 10 years before it ever hit the US mm-hmm. uh, with uh, M-Pesa that that uh, was basically using your telephone uh, wa- uh, bank wallets and different things to transfer money. They were actually rivaling the banks to the point where the banks had to start creating interesting new deals and policies to incorporate them in that space. Mm-hmm. Or you had the response of a Nigeria, which they're fighting tooth and nail to block them out of the banking space. Wow. Um, so. So like there's a lot of interesting things happening and I think people should pay attention to Africa and not say think that like okay if we are this far ahead of you and then you took this step then that means and we took this step that means you're going to take that step no they may skip to a point that you didn't even consider because they right. have completely different needs
1: right and then that's the thing understanding what is happening over there understanding the needs of the people and and, and mm-hmm. the communities you know mm-hmm. that connectivity is important the the ability to 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 do banking uh, mobile is is important because over there, what do you have? Yes, you, you have standard chartered. You have a few banks over there that you can utilize, you mm-hmm. know, but at the end of the day, when you go in there to open up a bank account, I mean, forget about it. It's like, you know, <laughs> let, let's go see ten generations down the road and see what happened. You know, so having the ability to easily manage your money because, you know, not everyone has they may just have ten dollars and if they have ten dollars, mm-hmm. You know, and if they have a digital, uh, a neobank, that $10, they can have it there and they can utilize it as opposed to having to go to a bank and pay them a fee because no one wants to get uh, um, gouged on on fees and everything. And that's what the banks do, too. But also, it's Mm -hmm. hard to open up an account over there.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, things are getting easier now with the institution of like the DVN, which is the local identification and different things like that. And what you have to realize is that in many ways, the the global expectation for infrastructure um, and the banking need, uh, the banking infrastructure that exists in this country and many other countries outpaced the infrastructure that existed. So it's kind of like, am I going to go and build a bank in the middle of the country somewhere to collect your ten dollars? No, I'm not. Right. <laughs> but right. And then you have, yeah, then you have the, uh, let's say if you have, a, I would look up a company called Paga, which is very interesting, which basically said that, all right, we're going to take this thing digital and we're going to have people act as banks and go out into these remote areas and collect this money and have the infrastructure, have the banking set up or the internet and whatnot to say, like, all right, now you have this digital, digitally, you have this amount of money. Now you can transact. You guys can start transferring money back and forth mm. to each other. I'll collect the money at these key locations and then set up the infrastructure through people. Um, Again, we have to also realize one of the major differences between Africa um, and the, the, let's say, more established countries is that America is setting us up to live as an individual. Um, uh, Africa is very much so still based on community living and, and we're set up to do things through people. Mm-hmm. And again, that's one of those understanding how like you can't really come here and sell a bunch of washing machines, not to say that you can't sell any. But technically, I'm just going to get my aunt to send me her niece and she's going to send that niece to my house and she's going to help clean up around the house and all these other different things. Uh, and because I took her from the village and I'm just going to make sure I put her through school and get her educated. Right. Like there's those different things where there's just a different expectation sure. me, as an employer. Um, I am more like a, a senior family member to that person than I am just a boss. That um, that
1: that's the thing is the culture, you know. Exactly. Uh, and, and I'll just talk about Ghana. You go to Accra, you go there. It's more robust. Mm-hmm. You have you have the big hotels by the by the seashore. Everything else. You drive mm-hmm. up an hour. You go past the, you know up the red the red dirt <laughs> roads and everything. You go to the yeah. bush. What you have there are villages. Your villages, yeah. where you where you have the leaders, you have. The, I mean, it's all about family, you know. Not that they all get along, but they they all deal with each other, and that's how they deal with it. So you have villages mm-hmm. and villages and villages, and the leaders, and they they come together, the kings, whatever they are, they come together and they they have a they have a big powwow, and then they go and figure out what they're going to do. And and the thing is, is that you have some good people over there. That that's the one mm-hmm. thing that that I realize. You have, you know, in life you have good people and bad people. If you have good people that may be a little naive with certain things, and if you're honest with them and you say, Look, yeah. this is what we can do. Well, we're not trying to take advantage. We're gonna partner with this because I've done it. We're gonna partner with mm-hmm. this. This is what we're gonna do, and we're both gonna do well. And it's gonna help your community. You do things like that. Any company that's listening, if you go do things like that in these countries, I don't care where it is in these countries, you're going to have partners for life because they yeah. will go and bring you in as their, as, as their family. They'll make you, you know, maybe one of, their, one of their village leaders. Who knows? But the point is you're impacting lives. But you have to yeah. do it the right way. It's not just strictly business. It's a different type of yes. business. Yes,
2: yes um i think that this is in many ways why the world was laughing at our previous president mm-hmm. um because especially here morals still matter of course who you are and what your reputation is still matter there again with this communal living the way people dealt with people and what you say about people and what people say about you was social media that was that was social media back yep. in the day yep, so yep. i'm not gonna go and ask uh, i'm not gonna go on social media and say hey i need a tailor." to do this, or I need a a, a carpenter or something, I'm going to call up one of my friends and I'm going to say, Hey, uh, I had, uh, I need a carpenter. And then somebody's going to say, Oh yeah, it's this person. And if they call that person and they check on them and that person gets a bad review, then that bad review gets circulated around. So however, however powerful word of mouth is, um, in the U S just imagine in the, in the African continent, word of mouth can have you ostracized. It doesn't matter how much I want to say to a certain extent, there's always somebody who folds and who buckles. But to a certain extent, you will find your circle of of business, your circle of people you can interact with will disappear and shrink overnight if you get a bad reputation.
1: And that's why, look, when I was when I was over there and I was doing business, they they knew who I was before I even showed up. Mm -hmm. They knew who I was. They knew everything uh, about me before I even walked in the door. And they're like, we know you, you're a good person and we want to do business with you. And okay, and it just happens. It's just something that yeah. happens, you know, because they're not they're not blind, they're not stupid. They they exactly. want to do good, business with good people, and they want to do good business. But where where you have the problem is that when you have these people, and just from my experience, that are not looking to do good business, and and they're Africans that are not looking to do business good business, they just want to go and and have. You know, create an angle for them to go take a couple of bucks as opposed to them trying to build something. Those people yeah. are the bad people. They're not doing anything to benefit the community. You know, when you have the good people that want to benefit, and they're not. the thing is they're not greedy. Mm-hmm. They're not yeah. greedy. They, they want their, their fair share. You give them their fair share, it, it's, it works out. It works. Let's
2: let's, let's just look about this. Like if you have people who are living closer to poverty than you are Mm -hmm. and you're coming there and you're driving, your big, nice, fancy car. um, You know, you're, you're, and then that's what they say. Even when you're having conversations, be careful of the numbers and figures and different things that, that, that you mentioned, but in many ways you can walk around looking or sounding like a lottery ticket and you'll be looking and sounding like you're taking advantage of people because they're not dumb. They know how much money you're making. Mm-hmm. And if you have you know, they 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 know how much things cost now yeah. again the, the internet technology There's a better understanding of different things and people are not so willing just to fall for anything or they're not So willing just to pay everybody crumbs and peanuts just so you can you can have a uh, huge profit margin Right. And, and, um, and this and is necessary.
1: why yeah, but this is why? This is why what you're doing over there where aggressive, is, is impactful because you're helping these companies that don't have the resources otherwise to go and get the resources for them to go and grow to be powerhouses there. You, you've done it already. Exactly. And that you know, you're, you're the company that you're invested in got bought out by Stripe. So now you have other opportunities there. And you have some smart kids that go and they'll, they'll go get educated in the U.K. They'll go to Cambridge. They'll go to the U.S. They come home because that's, mm-hmm. that's the purpose. Parents say, we're gonna go and gather this money. We're gonna send you to Cambridge. We're gonna send you to the US. You're gonna get educated. You're gonna come back. You're gonna help build this country. And that's well, what you, that's what's happening.
2: There's another, there's another um, thing that you just reminded me of. It's one of the impacts of COVID. Now people are starting to realize, and even Harvard and all these Ivy League institutions uh, kind of taught us when they were like, you can pay us a hundred thousand dollars or however it costs, it, it, however much it is per five seconds at Harvard or whatever. Um, but they shifted the model to being able to do it online, which basically solidified the fact that, oh, you can give me the highest level of education in the entire world online. Okay, cool. That validated everybody else.
1: Yep. Um, and, so and now- but, but the thing is with them, what they're doing, the, these higher education, these, these high-end universities, what they're doing is saying, hey, wait, 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 you can only go and do it online if you're in the U.S. If you're overseas, no, we're not offering you that. And to me, that's bogus because one so for all, if, if someone has the, the credentials and they have the, uh, the, the, the academic level that, that a university would say, okay, you're acceptable and they have the money to pay for it, why not?
2: Cause I, and this, I don't get it. Cause you're you're paying for the name of the degree. And That's right. what COVID showed me at that point. You're just paying for the name on the degree, and that if that degree opens up doors. Fine, it's worth the value. Mm-hmm. But the 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 thought that there that there's some type of uh, chokehold on the information that does not exist anymore. We should all know. I know in the, the people, the communities that we're dealing with. Um, they know that basically all the information you're going to teach them is available online. And now right. what I'm trying to teach people is that stop looking for outside uh, people to validate your experience. Um, instead of going in there trying to tell them why, where you worked and what projects you did um, make you a fit or a match to do business with this person, come in there with an actual opinion, come in there with a strategy for how you can provide value and make money. That's Those are the type of youth that we're generating out of these communities uh, with these partnerships we have. So we have uh, we, we had a partnership with Coursera with the foundation where uh, we got Five thousand licenses for up to four thousand courses under uh, Coursera. Nice. We basically put them into learning tracks to say like learn this in this order, like job readiness, uh, uh, coding, different things like that. But on the back end, we also had local Nigerians who had achieved different levels of success. Say like, all right, this is what they're teaching you to do in America. Let me show you how it applies in the African context. Mm-hmm. So like, those are the like the different things now. Now we're getting those people to say like, all right, now you step out there into this business world, get some experience and now launch your own tech startup. We have $50 million waiting on you on the other side. Like that's the type of pipeline we're creating. And that's when now we start talking. Now my mom is like, hey, I want to invest into this this thing. I was like, mom, it's a, it's a foundation. You're just, mm-hmm. you give them money. She's like, I know, but I can't wait. All these different things like that. People are now starting to see the opportunities. Um, we have this amazing, um, This amazing internship program where basically um, I have about for about five hundred dollars a month, I have like five, uh, four or five different employees that are running different elements of my business. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we're like letting people know that you can just basically connect to somebody here, especially for those solopreneurs, um, especially if you're an older, older solopreneur that doesn't necessarily understand all these tech advents that are going on now. Hey, we got one of these youth that are basically building their own websites and building their own apps. They can also Mm -hmm. hold your hand with social media. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? So like these are the this is the type of environment where right now, even with my private company, the whole goal is to build a bridge between Africa and its diaspora, which is everybody. Um, And again, it just starts with just understanding how things work and having a touch point. Don't let me talk too much. No, no, know. no. That's
1: good. That's <laughs> why I look, that's why I wanted to have you on the show. Now you know why, because your mm-hmm. input over there is is important and what is going on over there is important. And and, and I talk from experience. And that's the beauty mm-hmm. of this conversation. We're both talking from experience and we know what's there. It all depends on, on the people there. Because mm-hmm. honestly, I would rather you know certain companies just you know be created there. Build up and help to create a stronger. I don't care if it's Nigeria. I don't care if it's Sierra Leone. I don't care where it is, but create stronger nations. And yes. if you create stronger nations that have that, have that that um, that that view that, that they adhere to family values and things of that nature, mm-hmm. and they they bring people together. Those are the ones that are gonna rise up and, and, and help to, to to connect globally. Okay. Definitely. You know, and and, and it's it's crazy to me that over the years, over the past twenty years how things have been so different in certain countries, and and yeah. the and the big thing with you know when people when people say oh well you have a lot of poverty and you have a lot of this you have a lot of scams that happen here yeah all this all this comes about because there's no there's no balance you know if you're not giving people the opportunity to rise up what are they going to do they have to figure yeah. it out and that's the one thing I always say about any African. They know how to figure it out. You throw them somewhere in the middle of the street, dead broke, they will survive. They will survive and and they will figure it out.
2: (laughs) Well, I think, I don't wanna get too conspiracy theorists here, but what you have to realize is that just like looking at economies of scale, right? Um, For a long time, I feel like a lot of these uh, entire nations and multinationals that, that approach the African continent, they already approached it from a predatory nature, uh-huh. leaving everybody else to kind of pick up the crumbs that were left behind. So if, you, if you're looking at this from a political aspect, if the local, if the local um, person, like a regular, your average person, let's say makes 50,000 Naira a month, which is a little bit over a hundred dollars uh, a month, you have people who you could, Let's you could basically buy an election for five hundred thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Now look at that from the perspective of these multinational companies, basically, who who have endless millions of dollars. Right. You can influence policies, you can influence who is in office, and you can create an environment where certain people can't fight back. Well they
1: see you you use the word could, I think they probably are, you know, until people smarten up. And that's why you see certain this youth popping up like, hey, wait a second.
2: Exactly. Wait exactly. a second,
1: you're not doing this to us anymore. Because they saw it. They probably saw what their parents went through, what their grandparents went through, the oppression, suppression, all this stuff. They're like, wait, we can
2: change. Exactly. You know? And let me give you the perfect example of what I saw. Mm-hmm. If you can look at if you can look at the example of China, China 30, 40, uh, maybe almost 50 years ago now was a country that was in poverty and now they're an imperialist nation where we're like, ah, they're everywhere taking everything. Mm. You know, like things can change within our lifetime. And it's like, if you play your cards right, depending on what side of the coin you are, you can do very well in this country. Because again, everything is still attainable. Yeah,
1: and and you mentioned predatory, and that's what I see when it comes to and I'm going to talk about it again, China coming into Africa, that's mm-hmm. predatory. They're, they're going, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're bringing stuff and they're paying people off, they're bringing their machines in and everything where you cannot use those machines over there for agriculture or for mining without the authority of the government, they're bringing it underground, throwing it mm-hmm. in the bush and people are using it cause it's, mm-hmm. it's cheaper, but it's garbage, you know, but it, but they're doing it cause it is affordable exactly but, you know but you get in trouble was, you're going to jail so but that's about it well,
2: i was um i was a part of you don't of want, you want, want to go out, to african jail there.
1: boys. No, that's no you fun do not you no, do no, not no, let's no, let's no. say
2: that let's say that you do not no. i haven't gone and no, i will never break the no, law do
1: not do not in any way shape yeah. or form
2: <laughs> no but let me say this um so when i was uh located in uh cry i was uh working with um ah, i wish i knew the name oh uh, the uh, African diaspora, uh, okay. Ahaspora, uh, an amazing group for anybody who wants to move to uh, Ghana or a lot of the West African countries. They have this amazing network there. Um, but they took on their, on their shoulders to stop the, uh, or to address the illegal strip mining industry, um, primarily being pushed by the Chinese. Um, it was a movement called Stop galanse which again, Galamse is the, uh, I think it's tree for, yeah, illegal mining. Um, so we brought in some of the miners, we brought in the locals who are participating in it, and we brought in just a few other key stakeholders. And basically at the end of the day, the conversation was like, they would, the miners would love as far as the Ghanaians would love to stop doing it, but they were in utter poverty. They brought in this solution. Now the whole area is eating they Yeah. They destroyed the entire area. They destroyed the water, but they can actually eat and live a better life and move somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, if you're going to take away uh illegal strip mining then what are you going to replace it with how am i supposed to eat and that's the problem
1: uh yeah that's the problem over there and i know i know one thing that they initiated recently because you know we have boots on the ground over there that they Mm -hmm. are the government over there is allowing local villages to mine legally Mm -hmm. give them Mm -hmm. a license legally for them to do that now that's great problem is they don't have the machines and everything to dig everything so it's like he goes he goes he goes a carrot but you have no teeth so what do you do so there's still a problem where there has to be some sort of uh you know public private Mm -hmm. public partnerships or something that needs to happen to spark things over there and again whether it be in, in ghana whether it be in nigeria whether it be in other countries there has to be a combination of both, because I think that's the only way uh, you're going to be able to raise. You're going to be able to rise up and and be part of the, the, the world stage.
2: Exactly. You exactly. Know? but in the short term, for those of us who are brave, smart and aware, you can come in and, and, and get your own piece of this and piece of not illegal strip mining, mm-hmm. but just where there's holes in infrastructure and where things don't exist people people are building it themselves step by step by step Mm -hmm. um some of these things again are are capital intensive um which is why again we're focusing on tech so um for people trying to like launch apps and do different things like that if people were able to start saying like hey why do i use my international perspective my eye for quality and all these different things that should be. put inside of any type of technical, technical application, but let me try to also match in and build in and incorporate the, the cultural aspects of where I want to launch these things. And I think that's where, um, you know, a lot of us can start finding opportunities all over the world, or even Mm -hmm. if you're, you're talking about Africa anywhere, um, because what you have to realize as well is that, as far as where developing economies are concerned, if it'll work here, it'll work in South America, it'll work in Mississippi, it'll work in uh, the, you know the back corner areas of uh, Australia, all these different areas where you have um, whether it be a region or a specific space or an actual country.
1: Yeah, and you know the thing is over there, it, it just comes down to understanding the opportunity, understanding the game and how it works. Mm-hmm. You do that, you can make things happen. What you're doing with Ingressive over there, is is really interesting because you're giving these companies an opportunity where they wouldn't have it otherwise without you because you're you're bringing bringing the financial resources for them to actually go and execute. Again, you have some smart people there that just need that opportunity. So let's go through some of the things that Ingressive is doing. I know we were talking about everything Africa, but I want to talk about what you're doing too because it is important to what's happening in Nigeria right now.
2: Awesome! Awesome! We did what I've. Uh, we learned from a lot of uh, mentors and different people that we've seen in the space, and we learned that um, that you can create a nonprofit and you can also create a for profit, and they act in one can't serve the other. The other, but they can be harmonious in the ecosystem that they both enjoy, um, so to speak. So, um, if we're just going to take a go, take it back a little bit, um, basically in twenty fifteen our uh, founder, our, my co-founder basically started Ingressive, uh, the advisory company. The advisory company basically was the infrastructure for the VC. Mm. Um, she was a young woman at 23, 24 years old, had never ran a VC or had any uh, experience there and was asking a bunch of people to give her uh, money, millions of dollars. And they were like, who are you? First of all, mm-hmm. and why would I? Second of all, um, so the the thing that she had to do again, to build that infrastructure, to build trust and to get people to kind of uh, started jumping into the continent was she set up tour of tech so in 2015 2016 she, she was uh, she brought in uh, the glickman trust foundation uh, geeks on a plane um, there are so many others 500 startups y combinator um, and these people ended up not only coming in and, and visiting and loving and experiencing the culture but they also changed their investment strategy uh, michael siebel the ceo of y combinator which is uh-huh. a huge vc basically is one of the LPs on the fund that we have here. And they're using it like a testing ground for uh, the African continent. So we make the early stage investments. um, And if it gets traction, and everything looks like it's going well, then they come in and basically uh, acquire the company. And that's our exit strategy. Mm -hmm. So there's Mm -hmm. like, there's just amazing synergy that goes on here. But again, um, it was just us building that uh, infrastructure through coming around and creating an advisory company. Um, What we found, though, over time is that there weren't as many polished companies as we thought from the American expectation from the Y Combinator or the multi-million dollar investment conversation. So we realized that we had to create our own deal flow. So with that, that's where we started partnering with different tech companies, realizing that would be the lowest barrier to entry leveraging technology. Um, And we started creating relationships with, like, uh, uh, we were one of the ones that launched GitHub. I don't know if you know about the online repository GitHub, but we launched Mm -hmm. them within the African continent. Um, We launched Figma, which was the web-based online uh, uh, design tool. So we Mm -hmm. launched them within the African continent. And uh, we worked with Facebook, Google, Microsoft for Africa, like all these different huge, huge tech companies. Basically, and what we did, what we were able to do was basically uh, aggregate all of these different tech communities into one and kind of be able to, to influence them and get them to, uh, participate in different, uh, community activities, but also engaging with these products that the people were trying to push out, understanding that if they get them to use that at an early stage later on, these will be your full time users, or this will be matched into that. And we had to set up the agreement where like, it's like, okay, you can engage them, but what are you going to do for these youth? How are you going to help them get to their next level? And it was in that journey and in that understanding where we launched aggressive for good in 20, uh, January 3rd, 2020. So this year, so we launched in the middle of the, of the uh, pandemic.
1: Right. Well, hey, just sometimes, you know, opportunity, circumstance, opportunity, and mm-hmm. things happen, you know,
2: well, the thing exploded, it exploded. So we went from, uh, you know, the, the, let's say skeleton of the communities that we had before. So now we're up to about, if you count our community of 17,000 and our partner communities, we have like 30,000 enthusiastic tech uh, techies just in Nigeria. Um, what our goal is, is to train 1 million youth, deploy $1 million in scholarship funding and connect them to 5,000 jobs over the next five years. Um, and again, we're already just with the six month pilot to kind of better understand what policies and procedures and strategies we wanted to put in place. We were already blowing half of our one year goals out of the water. So there's a thirst for what we are doing. Uh-huh. There's a use case for what we are doing because people are coming up to us saying like we can't afford, like they can't find technical talent. The same thing that I'm finding in some of these back corners in the U S once you get outside of the five cities that everybody knows, uh-huh. once you get out of LA, New York city, Miami, or whatever. Um, if you, if you look at, I mean, not to, not to negative, positive, there are different people, different perspectives, but if you look at Trump country, that heart and soul, that middle ground of America, it's quite different than you see from the extremes. Uh Um, so again, these are more the type of people where they are looking, they're saying that there's not a thousand techies in in Ohio that are waiting to build your website or do this, that, and the third, these are still growing markets in different Uh spaces. So we're all learning together that there's a better use case for this technical talent. And that you would find more profitable companies, more uh, more sure bankers, so to speak, as we say in mm-hmm. Ghana, um, if if they were able just to connect to that talent in in a, in a more in a, in a in a in a better understood way. And for the youth, they just need to understand what a path to success looks like.
1: Well, and that that's important. That's why what you're doing is important. And and with the pandemic, it sh- showed a different picture that. You don't have to be in Silicon Valley, in, in Silicon Beach. You don't need to be in, in, uh, at Harvard. You don't have to be at MIT. You don't have to be at these places or New York City to go and make things happen. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because all these companies, when they started out, they were not in the big hubs. Those big hubs were created around them. Okay? Exactly. And that's what people need to – they need to learn their history. Same thing in Detroit. That's the Motor City, right? Okay, it wasn't the Motor City until Henry Ford started building cars there, you know, and then the Dodge Brothers and then everything else and Chrysler and all this stuff started coming in, you know, and and it all comes, it's a spark. It's a spark that will go and and, and get the flames moving and then that wind will come and all of a sudden, boom, you have an inferno. And, and and it can happen over there. It can happen over there. And the things you're doing are fantastic, Sean. And I, and I appreciate what you're doing over there. That's so that's good. That's good stuff, man. And that's why I wanted to have you on here so we can talk about all this stuff. Now, Mate. yeah. And in closing, you know, is there anything else you want to add to maybe the the African uh, companies, maybe the African youth that are watching this, and you want to mm-hmm. go send a message? What is that message going to come from you to them?
2: If I had to say anything to the African youth, number one, I would say just don't give up, be aggressively patient, keep pushing to break down those walls, keep pushing to break down those barriers that are holding you back and just educate yourself, learn, and don't be afraid to try these new things. Don't be afraid to build solutions in your local areas and your environment uh, around you. Um, And if you do it well enough, look out for us, reach out for us because we're definitely looking for you.
1: And how are they going to reach out to you, Sean? Give them that information.
2: (laughs) Awesome. 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 Uh, You can find us at www.ingressive.co. So that's Ingressive, I-N-G-R-E-S-S-I-V-E dot C-O. Or if you are a startup looking for investment, that would be Ingressive, spelled the same way, capital.com. www.ingressivecapital.com. Okay, go, um, go check out
1: aggressive.co and aggressivecapital.com and look for the, for the African youth out there that, that are looking to change their lives and changing the community get in touch with them, Sean and his team, they're doing some great things and again, I, I appreciate you coming on and going through this and uh, right. and I, I want you to stay with me for a second, I have to close out the show uh, for All the right. viewers and listeners that have been with us during, during the show, I appreciate you tuning in and again Uh, check out aggressive.co find out what's going on there and uh, make sure you join us for the next episode of Money Never Sleeps we have more interesting topics that are going to be coming along and thank you for tuning in
0: initiating shutdown sequence you're listening to UCW Radio in your face what is your major malfunction so let it be written so let it be done
1: ladies and gentlemen my mother thanks you my father thanks you my sister thanks you And I thank
0: you. All opinions expressed by Louis Velasquez on the Money Never Sleeps radio show and its website are solely his opinions and do not reflect the opinions of the UCW radio show or their parent company or affiliates and may have been previously disseminated by him on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by him as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. His opinions are based upon information he considers to be reliable, but neither the UCW radio show nor its affiliates, parent companies, and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. The UCW radio show Louis Velasquez's affiliates, parent companies, and or subsidiaries are not under any obligation to update or correct any information provided on the radio show or on the website. His statements and opinions are subject to change without notice. No part of his compensation from the UCW radio show is related to the specific opinions he expresses. Please read the full disclaimer on moneyneversleepsradio.com.